0: music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. I can still recall the day saved my soul when his blessed holy spirit came and took control i trusted in his precious blood my sins to atone and i started singing Chapter 1, take your Bibles in verse 25. I will go back to Romans chapter 1 and read the chapter from verse 18 through about 28 <clears throat> because I think it's one of the most profound chapters of all the New Testament. If you haven't spent much time in the book of Romans, you need to spend time in the book of Romans. The Roman, book of Romans is called the Treatise of the Gospel, it, it is the most thorough, carefully put together presentation that God has given us in the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 8. And, and what a pinnacle, what a pinnacle in chapter 8, verse 31 through 39 or so, that it has tremendous encouragement as it starts. But in chapter 1, I want to spend a little time. Verse 25, however, there's a phrase in verse 25 that I want to concentrate on. This message came to me as we were up in North Dakota, my wife and I spent about 95 hours in my truck as we drove 2,442 miles from my house to Ernie Leonard's house in Bismarck, North Dakota. We did it in three days. Uh, we spent My wife and I haven't been that close to each other and spent that t- much time with each other since we were married, I don't believe. But anyway, uh, you know, we're like ships in the night, really, my wife and I. She does her thing. I do my thing. We kind of pass each other, say hi. We stay in the same home, but we are busy. We are busy. I always tell my wife, she says, we're so busy. I said, I want to die busy. I want to die moving and doing and helping, and, and I don't want to die in a rocking chair. Of course, God will have his say on that in the end, but uh, I've appreciated But we spent a bunch of time together. In fact, I got to know her a little better and, uh, than I ever had, and uh, we even had a couple of little spats, uh, possibly because of that familiarity. But, uh, of course, we got over it. We got right with each other on it, but uh, it's good. But in this, on the way up there, this came to me. I was Ernie Leonard as a winter visitor. We call him a snowbird. He comes down from about December through maybe the month of March. This year he may be coming a little earlier. North Dakota, if you're familiar with North Dakota, it is very cold. Beautiful state in the summertime, but very, very inhospitable in the wintertime. And we, I'm, I'm amazed how people endure such temperatures up there. He said it's colder in Bismarck oftentimes than it is in northern Canada. And he didn't know why that was, but he had traced that he's been up there most of his life. But Ernie was a magnificent host. i st- My wife and I never stay with anybody, almost ever, because I'm so peculiar. And, uh we decided we would stay with him, when he invited us, and we did we stay with him for about five or six days. Tremendous host, fabulous people, uh, just treated us like king and queen and just uh, did great with us. Took me fishing, caught walleye, northern pike, and big crappie on the Missouri River. I have never done that before in my life, but did enjoy the time together. But in that period of time came the truth that I want to share with you this morning. The title of the sermon is Snipe Hunting. Snipe hunting. And the line I want to talk about in verse 25 of Romans chapter 1 is who changed the truth of God into a lie. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. There's a group of people that he starts out talking about in verse 18, in which I will read later in the message, and they're accused of a number of things. But one thing that maybe the the the, the of, of all the accusations that God are uh, puts against those people that fit into that chapter is, he said, they changed the truth of God into a lie. And worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Years ago, when I was in high school, I'm going to ask for a show of hands here, and I want you to vote honestly. Years ago, when I was in high school, someone taught me about snipe hunting. Uh, How many here in high school were taught something about snipe hunting? Raise your hand. Look how, look how many. Look how many! Okay, how many here under 30 were taught about snipe hunting? Anywhere, anybody? Got okay, a couple of you, okay. I don't know what it was in the 60s and 50s and 60s about snipe hunting, but it was real big back then. Uh, they, it went something like this. You ask your girlfriend if she would like to go snipe hunting. Uh, you tell her it has to be at night. It has to be in the woods. Uh, you have... I carry a burlap bag with you, and you have a flashlight, of course. You're, you're to wear completely black clothes. Now, snipe hunting is different in different areas. But in the area I was in, in northern Indiana, you had to wear black clothes uh, to keep from being seen by the snipe. And you walked around in the woods at night with a flashlight and black clothes and a burlap sack, and you began to look for snipe. Now, to attract snipe, you would take two rocks and bang them together. Two rocks and bang them together. Other people have other parts of the country have other ways to attract a snipe. Some of them make special sounds, some yell. You also needed a stick because when you found a snipe, you had to hit him, put him in the bag because snipe were very, very hard to catch. We found it really popular in high school. Uh, in fact, it was it was noised abroad, and people knew about it. Almost everybody, in the, at least in the 50s and 60s, when I was when I was in elementary high school. Um, they knew about Snipe Unning. Well, I was visiting up there in North Dakota, Ernie Leonard, in, uh, uh, and, he, and he's a wise man. He was in oil business most of his life. Uh, he's, he can fix about anything. In fact, I got to tell you a story about being at his house. He locked himself out of the house. Most of you have done that. And he, he hid a key in a real estate lockbox that he probably had taken from some report real estate guy. And he had a, he had a real estate lockbox there, and he couldn't remember the he couldn't remember the code to get in the lockbox to get the key that he hid in the box so that when he forgot his key and locked himself out, he could let himself in the house. And so we all stood outside the house as they were trying to go through every code they could imagine, and the box wasn't opening. It wasn't opening. Open. I thought to myself, that's a Schlag key. Most of you are into Quickset or Schlag. You got either a quick set key or a Schlag key. Those are two different companies. Well, at church here, we have a Schlag. Everywhere we use is a Schlag key. So I have my keys on me, and I... I was sitting there, we were about there for five minutes, and they were getting frustrated and frustrated and talked about calling these kids and everything. And I said, well, you know, I got a slag key. You got a slag lock, right? Well, let me just try my key. I put my key in the lock, opened his door, and went in the house. <laughs> That's as weird as it gets. He couldn't believe it. They both looked at me and said, your key fit our lock. I said, yeah, one slag's all slag.'" I said, I don't know how it happened, brother, but it worked. So he says, well, show it to me again. And we went and locked the door. They were inside in the meantime, got their key. And we locked the door, and my key never worked again. It only worked at one time. Miracle. So I had a miracle key experience at Ernie Leonard's house because I could not get the key to ever work again. God let me in with that key. Hey, Amen. I go to your house. It may work for you, too. Call me up. Uh, I, I don't know. In the four or five, six days we were at Ernie's house. You know, you talk about all different kinds of stuff. I didn't know Ernie for, at all. We started talking about where you know where you went to high school, what you did, what your occupation. You talk about all those things. You talk through all those things. My wife and her hit it off, and they were talking about. And I I, I don't know how it got started. I don't know where it came from. But at one of the conversations we had at, at, at eating eating fresh caught um, fish. Uh walleye and crappie, phenomenal, phenomenal eating up there. Um, I brought up about somehow about snipe. And as soon as I mentioned the word snipe hunting, he goes, he gets this smirk on his face, as most men do. And he begins, his wife immediately is like, Hun, what is snipe hunting? And I and, and she he says, Oh, he starts laughing, you know. He said, you know, it it was a prank we did to the girls to get them out in the woods in high school. And we would sometimes leave them in the woods and, and, you know, they'd find their way home on their own. We in the 50s and 60s were tough. And and so he, he explained, I mean, it's amazing. Ernie and I, he was raised in North Dakota. I was raised in Indiana. He explained snipe hunting almost exactly the way I had heard it that you have to go in the woods, it has to be at night, you have to have a burlap sack, you dress in black, you get a stick, you hit rocks together to attract a snipe, and you hit them and put them in the back. I said, man, Ernie, that is exactly what I heard in high school too. He said, "That's amazing, it's going all over the country. He said, everybody knows about snipe hunting. I said, really? But do you realize that there is such a thing as snipe hunting? He goes, Man's, man's about two, three years older than I am. He said, "Bill, no, there's no snipe hunting. That's the snipe hunting." I so I I, I said, "Understand, Ernie, there a, there is a bird called the snipe. He is federally regulated migratory bird. I've hunted them in Florida for years, and I even have to you have to buy a license to kill them, and they're pretty good eating." And he gets another smirk on his face, like, "Oh, you're going to really make this interesting." Because his wife said, "Well, Ernie, what do you?" And I said, she's, he looks at her. And he goes, "Beverly, it's a joke, man. It's it's he's just pulling our leg. he just going. This is what you do when you talk about snipe hunting. just." I said, "Ernie, no, I'm telling you the truth. Uh, it, it is real. And Ernie's no fool. Uh, he has he has all kinds of wisdom about many things. But he did he would he just flat looked. I said, Ernie, I'm a preacher." I believe the Bible. I said, Ernie, liars don't go to heaven. You want me to show you Revelation 22? It don't. Well, Ernie, I'm telling you, there's a real bird. He's a migratory bird. He's regulated by the federal government. You have to buy a license to hunt him. And I hunted him in Florida and shot him and killed him and eaten him. They're good to eat. Pfft. He's like, I don't know where you're going with this. You know, I don't know where you're going. Why? I said, I'm telling you the truth. He said, no, I said, we're going we're gonna to have to get on the web. You know, Google it. Or ask Siri, either one. So we went we went to the web, and uh, uh, let's see, the web. Here's what it said. This was, I think, uh, Expedia, Encyclopedia, some sort of that. Here's what it said. The origin of the term, snipe hunting, is a practical joke where inexperienced campers are told about an imaginary bird or animal called the snipe, as well as an unusually preposterous method of catching it, such as running around the woods, carrying a bag, or making strange noises, and banging rocks together. But that's not all the definition. It says real snipe, a family of shorebird, are difficult to catch for experienced hunters, so much so that the word Sniper is derived to those are uh, referred to those who anyone who is skilled enough to shoot one. Oh. he looks at that, he gets his little iPad out, looks at that and goes, now he's looking at the definition that he looked up on Google, Expedia, whatever he went to, and he's still looking at me going now. No, that that can't be right. We we looked it up in in two or three other sources. In Florida, by the way, the season is from November 1st to February 15th. Your shooting hours are one half hour before sunrise and, and to sunset. The bag limit is eight, possession 24 of a bird called snipe. Now put the bird up. This is what the bird looks like. That is a snipe. You are looking, all you disbelievers out there. You are looking at a bird called a snipe. Uh, it, when it flies, when it takes off, it, it 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 jogs back. It's unbelievably hard to hit when you're shooting them. They usually are around uh, wading bird areas along the shore. Uh, they're they're uh, like I said, related to the shore birds. There's four or five. Piper, sandpipers, and other ones look like this. But he could not believe it. You can leave it up there. He sat, he sat there in, in an amazement. And during the next few days, we went to two or three different places, and he would stop people, and he'd say, have you ever heard of the snipe? You think is this? And, of course, the trouble was he would run into the people who said, yeah, you go in the woods with a bag of black clothes, you hit stick together, and you hit the rock together, and you get snipe. He said, yeah, that's what I thought. I said, no, Ernie, he don't know either. And so then I'd have to try to tell that guy, go to Google, go to Siri, ask her, is there such a thing as a real bird called a snipe that is federally regulated, migratory bird, hunted in various states because it's migratory, and you have to have a license to shoot it. And if you are so good as to shoot one, that's where the word sniper was derived from. And they'll catch you and go. They give you that. He, for three days, I'm telling you, growing man to man, he looked at me and says, there's really a snipe? I said, there's a bird called a snipe, man. It's real deal. So we went through this over and over. This happens, this believing a lie happens in much more important areas of life because the whole world, for the most part, has changed the truth of God into a lie. And they believe the lie because they've heard the lie from a young person from many different sources over a long period of time, and consequently, when they hear the truth, they do the same thing Ernie did. (laughs) That can't be the way that can't be. This is the battle that we are in, truth versus a lie. That's what we Christians are in. We are battling with the truth. We have the truth. And when we first heard it, we go, is that so? Is that possible? God made the snipe, and it is a reality. Men told a lie about this snipe, and made a practical joke about it. In fact, the word snipe hunting is all, has, been, has been used this way so much, it's often used for the term fool's errand or practical joke. Its definition has gone from a bird to a practical joke. And the battle rages today with the vast majority of the people in America still believing that snipe hunting is a fool's errand and a joke when in reality it is a true bird that is hunted. And now let me relate this to you. Let me relate this to the gospel. Let's go to Romans chapter 1 and read. With that in mind, let's go to Romans 1, 18, read through 28. I'll read as quickly as possible, make a few comments. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. What kind of man? Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They've made it a lie. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in Him, for God has showed it unto them. They've been told the truth. Well, the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood of the things that are made, even these eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God put everything around us which screams that there is a God and He created it. Because it could not be from anything but creation because it's too complicated and 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 simple doesn't make complex. You don't take the parts of a 747 and pile them in a pile, and over a period of time it becomes a 747. Somebody's got to put it together. Because that, when when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, and became vain in their imaginations. Vain. Who thought up snipe hunting? And their foolish heart was darkened. They actually began to believe their own lie to the place where the lie became the truth and the truth became the lie. Professing themselves to be wise, what happened to them? They became fools, fools Aaron. And they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image of the uncorruptible man and the birds and the four-footed beasts and the creeping things. Wherefore, what did God do? And this is the big thing. In, ver- in chapter 24, and a- there's three times he does this. Now, first of all, in chapter- verse 24 there, not chapter, but chapter 1, verse 24, where God also gave them up. Underline that in your Bible. Gave them. God also gave them up. Underline that. And put a one by it. To uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, dishonor their own bodies between themselves. That speaks of all kinds of immorality, bestiality, you name it. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, for this cause, what did God do? Number two, put a two by this, that you underline, God gave them up. The second time, he gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did exchange the natural use for that which is against nature. Of course, you know what that's describing. Lesbianism, homosexuality among men. And likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of women, burned in their own lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving themselves the recompense of their error, which was meet. If that doesn't describe homosexuality, nothing could. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, what's the third thing God did? Put a three by that. God gave them over. To what? Reprobate. He gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient. He gave them over to a mind that would believe the lie over the truth. The the harshest judgment God Almighty can do to a human being, this side, is to cause you to believe the lie and to be firm in it. To believe a lie to the place where you will not be convinced to believe the truth. There is no harder judgment God can do other than eventually cast that person in the lake of fire to be encapsulated away from anything good and godly for all eternity. There's nothing else that can be done. Every time I reveal to an adult, and I've done this for years, that there are real snipe that are migratory birds that are licensed to hunt, and they're eaten, and they're good to eat, the same look of unbelief and shock comes my way. I have found it hard to convince people that there are real birds called snipe, and you can hunt them. There may even be some in this room that are right now Googling. <laughs> Even after that speech on the phone thing. But, and, and there will be people leave here, and I don't blame you for wanting to find out, that will come out and say, now come on, that preacher, he's got to be making that up. He is getting desperate for sermons. I have just found people extremely hard to convince which is something that is recorded fact. In Florida, if you go to my FWC, Florida Wildlife Commission, you will find you have to have a license and sniper pictured, and that's where this picture came from, And you hunt. Imagine going through life thinking there is no hell thinking there's no heaven, thinking there's no salvation, thinking there's no sin, thinking there's no Jesus Christ, thinking there's no true word of God, thinking that the Bible is not so, and one day someone comes up to you and says, the Bible's true. There is a God. Jesus Christ is his son. He did come in the form of a servant, in the likeness of man, being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. At the third day, he was really resurrected. And he now sits on the right hand of the throne on high, making intercession for those who believe in him, and has offered salvation. The Father says it this way, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Imagine going through a life of believing snipe hunting was going in the woods with a black, with a black clothes, with a burlap bag and a stick, and you, were, you heard it from every, by the vast majority of people you were around, that's what you knew, snipe hunting. It was a fool's errand. It was a joke. And one day you find out that there are real. Ernie Leonard, at 66 years old, found out there were real birds called snipe. Now, if he listens to this message, Ernie, thank you. The look on his face that you could go through 60 some odd years, and I think he's 66. I'm really risking it there. But I think you could go through 66 years and miss it. But it's true. You can And when you hear it, beware lest you doubt and do not research it to see if it's true or not. People hear the gospel a lot of times when I tell people the gospel at the beginning. I know they're not going to believe it. Just like when I tell them about snipe, they don't believe it. I don't expect them to believe it just right there. I want them to take what I've said and research it. Take what I've said and go look it up. Take what I've said and go see if it's true. When, when I tell somebody about the gospel, I don't expect it. I, t- I expect him that a young man came by this week, asked Christ that he wanted to be saved. And I said, you need to take this Bible and you need to go to the book of John and you need to read the book of John over and over and over again. When you get done with John, then go to the book of Romans and read that book over and over and over again and get convinced that you have believed a lie up to this point in your time in time, and now you've been told the truth, and this really is the truth and reality of the universe. Some of you may be in this room, believe there's no God, believe there's no judgment, believe there's not going to be a time when you stand before Jesus Christ. You're believing a lie. You've changed the truth of God into some myth. You've been been hoodwinked. You've been told this from your grandmother and maybe your mother and maybe your father and maybe your friends and maybe those relatives and oh you've never my my dad never heard the gospel one time till he was 33 years old not one time nobody gave him a gospel track nobody stopped and said jesus is real he never heard he went through world war ii Saipan, and okinawa he never heard the gospel And one time he started feeling there had to be something more in life. He went down to a church next down the road. uh, An old convicted bank robber that served 10 years in jail and got let out. Started a local church down the road from him. Came over to the house and led both my mom and dad to Christ when they heard the gospel. It changed their life. We are in a battle, folks. I think of Jesus on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. Does it not get you when you read the account of the resurrection? Does it not get you their unbelief? Does it not kind of get you? He tells them in the 16th chapter of Matthew, he says, who do you think I am? Finally, Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, ooh, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter. The Holy Spirit revealed it. Now, in front of the rest of the guys, okay? They had seen three and a half years of miracles. They had seen him walk on water. They had seen him feed the multitudes. They had seen him give sight to the blind and, and a voice to those who could not speak. They had seen over and over and over thousands and thousands of visual Americans. He told them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be uh, uh, given over to the, the leaders there and they're going to crucify me and the third day I'm going to be raised from the dead. He had told them that multiple times. And here's what he said to the two on the road to Emmaus that seemed to be just heartbroken that he had been crucified, he says, O fools! O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken unto you. That's who we are. We're fools and slow of heart to believe the truth. We would rather believe a lie rather than the truth. Our propensity is to believe the lie rather than the truth. We're slow of heart to believe. Oh, may I appeal to you this morning if you've not heard the gospel before and if you've not heard that Jesus Christ died for you and was buried and rose again the third day and if you've not heard that there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain, do not be like these folks who were slow to believe. The battle is truth versus a lie. And by the way, according to Titus 1-2, God cannot lie. The devil is a liar and the father of it, he invented, that, he invented lying. This is an informational war we're in, a war of words. If I may put it this way, snipe or no snipe, that is the question. The whole thing, is this whole thing about life a cruel joke? Or is it a serious reality? You'll fall on one side or the other. What a horror it will be to those who die believing the lie. There is no God. There's no judgment. And you know what? You can believe this morning that I'm not telling the truth. You can believe this morning that I'm just making this bird up. I showed another bird like a woodcock or something, and this isn't really a snipe. And that this whole thing of migratory things not true. And you can leave here and say, it's not so, but that doesn't change the reality. The reality is there is a bird that's called a snipe. The reality is there is a God. The reality is that Jesus Christ is His Son. The reality is He did come and die on the cross. The reality is the third day He did resurrect from the dead. The reality is He is on the right hand of the throne of God on high, making intercession for those who believe. The reality is that salvation is now offered to you. Will you believe? Will you research it? Seek out what's true. Not take what your mom or dad or grandpa grandpa or friends or relatives or all your high school buddies may have said, but find the true and living God. The Bible says if you'll seek me, you will find me if you'll seek me with all your heart. I believe if you have a desire to know the truth, God that is the God of all truth will reveal Himself to you. You say, oh, there's so many religions. My mother was scared when... My dad went to church. He said, Ori, how do you know that's a good work? How do you know there's so many cults, so many isms, so many schisms? They didn't, she didn't even go to church because of that. He says, I just believe this is the right thing. God just seemed to be pushing on my heart. Something's pushing on my heart. And God revealed Himself. What about you? If you believe, you'll act it out. If you don't believe, you'll act it out. Those who fail to care, those who fail to read the Bible, those who fail to witness, those who fail to pray, Those who failed to get behind the things of God, they don't believe. They believe it's a ruse. They believe it's a prank, a fool's errand. The whole thing's a joke. How do you know? Their life tells you so. Their life tells you what they believe. Because see that what it really comes down to, if you believe, you will act it out. I believe this real snipe. I get a license. I go out by where there's wading birds. I walk around ponds. The birds go up. I shoot and miss. I act like there are and there are. Those people who believe it's going out at night with a, a dark clothes and a burlap bag and a stick and put rocks. that's what they do. And they laugh. They laugh. You don't snipe. There are people that laugh at me and say, There's no God. There's no Bible. What are you doing regulating your life on a 3,500 year old book? Are you crazy? I'm saying, No. The reality is there is a God. And you've changed the truth of God and made it a joke. And it's not. Where are you this morning? You believe in snipe hunting? Our Heavenly Father, we pray that this morning the Holy Spirit would take those few words, these few minutes we've been together, and help if there be one here that's doubted whether these things be so, whether there is a God, the Bible's true, it's been preserved, inspired by the God of all that is, that everything they look at has been created, that little chameleon with that little brain of his and those eyes that roll around and look at you have been have been literally miraculously created by the God of all that is. The little ant with his little brain, the little fire ant with his stinger, overcomes all of the resistance to kill him because there's a God in heaven. Those billowing clouds that look, look like floating mountain ranges have been created by the God of all that he is. The Bible says that we're sinners. We have sinned against God and offended him. That should be easy to convince you of. Unable to save ourselves by any amount of good works because you can't undo any bad thing you ever did. No matter how good you may have been. It was so pitiful that it got to be the place that no, there was no other way than Jesus Christ, God's Son, coming upon this old world and in the form of a man dying, paying the price of our sin collectively the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. He is a propitiation. His blood is a propitiation for the whole world, if they would believe. Jesus Christ offers one more time His salvation to you this morning. Will you believe? Well, I believe, preacher. If you believe, your actions will follow. If you believe, your life will line up with what you really believe will you come will you make that decision for Jesus this morning will you drive the stake down and say I believe Lord help unbelief in Jesus name we pray amen all the praise belongs to him